This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, today we talk to four women athletes from Asia Carly from Bangkok, Thailand, Jackie from Phuket, Thailand, Katie Tomlinson from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and Jess Gosling from Taipei, Taiwan. And you are listening to the Sunday Breakfast Show with Jaya Hiranandani on Teachers Talk Radio. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we are talking to four inspirational women who are women at leaders in um, in Taiwan, in Thailand, and in Malaysia. So we are all from East Asia, and I'm in Taipei, Taiwan, um, and I'm really looking forward to today's episode. Today's episode is second in the series of uh, our Women's Day special. Um, so the first episode was with none other than Vivian. Um, if you have been living under a rock like I was until last year as an educator um, and you did not know who Vivian is, she is one of the um, women who started a worldwide organization called Women Ed about seven years ago and now it has got a global reach and it works on uh, providing support to women who want leadership positions and uh, or you know who want to grow in their careers or you know to uh, bridge the gender pay gap in education and lots of other issues that women face in the field of education but it also uh, involves men because we need, you know, we, we all need to work together um, for these issues. And the first episode was amazing. Um, I mean, first episode of the Women's Set Special. Today's the second one. Um, we had a great chat. We did have some technical issues. So about 40, 45 minutes into the show, we were having this amazing conversation, Vivian and I. And um, I am asking a question and I'm elaborating it. And Suddenly I see Vivian is not a speaker anymore. Um, and so, and then I see a message um, uh, from my friend on WhatsApp saying, oh, we can't hear you anymore. So I, uh, I found out that I had been logged out of my own show. And so we tried to do it again. I messaged Vivian frantically. I asked her to come back in. Uh, we, were, we were chatting on LinkedIn. And um, so, so we started again, and then 10 minutes into that second um, time that we tried it, um, we kicked out, we got kicked out again. So then I frantically messaged Vivian again, um, and then this time we recorded the show on Zoom. And so it will be stitched together, all these different parts. <laughs> it will take a lot of technical magic, which I'm not capable of, so the powers to be will do it. And um, I'm really looking forward to that one, um, but we're also we're going to keep going on. The show must go on, so we're going to 
today talk to people who are working on the grassroots level. And as you know, the Sunday Breakfast Show, um, I host it twice a month and I focus more, more on issues that face international educators. And, you know, I interview more, you know, um, and then of course we all face similar issues, but uh, so I have some um, women at lead from international schools. If you are um, a teacher from the UK or anywhere and you want any issues featured or um, if you have any questions about international education, do get in touch with me on Twitter. You'll find me as at Miss Hiranandani, that's M-S Miss uh, Hiranandani, H-I-R-A-N-A-N-D-A-N-I. I look forward to listening from you or hearing from you. Um, so um, today's show, before we get started, we tell me how the weather is where you are. Um, it's really funny, it's quite ironic that uh, for a person who's not really that much into small talk, I start each one of my show and I start talking to each one of my speakers with the weather. <laughs> but that's become a tradition here. So in Taipei right now, it's beautiful. Spring is here. There are cherry blossoms everywhere. Um, Taipei, Taiwan was under Japanese rule for 50 years and uh, along with many other things, um, Japanese people left their love of cherry blossoms in Taiwan. The other thing is hot springs. Have you looked up hot springs, hot spring hotels? Uh, people really like to soak in, go, go to hot spring hotels and hot spring areas and soak into um, the, 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 I don't know, the medicinal water. And the other thing is cherry blossoms. So you will find them in bloom in different parts of the country in March and April. So it's really pretty out here. Spring is here. Um, um, and I'm just inviting all my speakers who are already here with me. Um, so yeah, going back to the weather, it's just amazing. And I've had a very productive, unproductive day. Uh, usually, what does that mean, actually? What, what uh, productive, unproductive? Usually, I uh, do meal prep on Sundays. I have lots of food sensitivities. I can't eat gluten. I, um, I avoid dairy. I do not eat meat, so I eat fish. So, and I, I'm just a nutritional nerd. I prefer homemade food. And if you're a teacher, you know there is no way you can come back and cook a wholesome meal and eat it if you are going to, if you if you intend to go to bed on time. So all my meal prep happens on Sundays. And today I just, uh, we just had a women at event in Taiwan yesterday and I just needed some time off. So I was journaling, listening to TED Talks, um, then going to Instagram and following the inspirational people I heard the TED Talks from. Basically had a very lazy day, had a nice nap. Um, so that was my day. Hope you're having an amazing day and I'll get started with talking to our speakers and what we'll do is we'll talk to them one by one, ask them about where they are and how's the weather where they are, how's their day going, how they got into women ed and after we've heard from each one of them individually we will have the adverts and then we will talk, we will have some questions for them. 
So let's get started with Carly. Hi, Carly. Hi, uh, thanks for having me. How's it going? It's going great. So Carly, tell us about how is it going in Bangkok? How's the weather? How's your day going? Well, you think in Bangkok at the moment, it would be wonderful weather. But actually, as I'm looking outside, all I can see is rain. So today we're having a bit of a bit of a downpour. Uh, still warm, not not a uh, cold, which is always a nice thing. Um, but I think uh, for hot season, a bit unusual. But uh, hey, that's how it goes, right? It does. In Taipei, I mentioned on my previous show, for the first, uh, you know, the news came out and after the first 56 days we found out that 50 of them were raining which was not a surprise like it was just non-stop relentless rain for the first two months here and so yeah i know you know living in living on islands and um, near the ocean it has its perks but it's also you know the weather can be so unpredictable for sure. I mean, on the whole, we're quite lucky uh, for definite. So hopefully this will just be a bit of a one-off for the week uh, um, yeah. and things will improve. <laughs> yeah. And are you having a good day, a good weekend? Yeah, it's been lovely, actually. Um, it's been my partner's birthday, so we did uh, treat ourselves and, uh, you know, go to a nice uh, restaurant last night and have a nice meal. And I think today, you know, it's just kind of taking that time. I'm going to try and go to the gym later, you know, do do a bit of personal admin uh, and go from there, really. I think it's uh, same for a lot of people on a Sunday, isn't it? I know. It's like Sunday evening, it, all, it already feels like the work week has started. Like, you know, you're, yeah, you're, you're preparing for the coming week and stuff like that. Um, so Carly, tell us about, you know, how did you get started with Women Ed and um, how long have you been a part of it? How did you come to know about it? Just the beginnings. Um, of course. So with, with Women Ed, I think, you know, if we, when did we start? May 21. So obviously during COVID, there was still that, uh, you know, quite a few of us that were uh, sort of not locked down at that point in Thailand, but, you know, teaching online and at home. And um, looking forward into the future, I was going to be moving into my first sort of leadership position, actually, uh, as a middle leader. So I've been teaching for a long time, but this would have been my first leadership position. And it really got me thinking, you know, obviously, I, I've been blessed to work with some awesome colleagues, you know, both male and female. Um, but I was really kind of looking uh, a bit more for that community um, and started looking online. And that's how I ended up coming across um, Women Ed, basically. Uh, and I think like a lot of the um, we think about the ethos of Women Ed, it kind of really uh, resonated with me. So I ended up getting in touch with uh, Vivian, which you've had on the show before, as you know, uh, a force uh, when it comes to women ed. And actually, um, I also touched base with Sadie Hollins. I really recommend checking her out on Twitter. She's fantastic in terms of well-being. And then uh, just went around the houses in terms of schools, messaging people on LinkedIn. And there was really kind of interest in, in Thailand for that. Uh, and then it kind of went from there, really. I met some awesome people, Jackie, that's here as well on the call. Um, you know, uh, Becky, Ima and Pink, our, our Thai network lead. And yeah, it's been really, really great, really, so far to sort of get things started. Oh, that sounds amazing. I think, yeah, we started around the same time, but Jess is going to talk a little bit more about the Taipei beginnings. Um, so I'll move on to um, Jackie, who's also uh, from Thailand, but in Phuket, right? Hi, Jackie. Hi. 
Uh, yes, I am in Thailand. I'm in Phuket. It is also raining a lot here and everyone's pretty um, upset by it because it's still supposed to be like warm, dry, uh, sunny, hot season. Oh, that's interesting. So in Taiwan, it just rains all year. Is that so in Thailand, you have rains in specific parts of the year and so you know when to expect rain? Is that so? Yes, traditionally, um, but I guess call it global warming or call it whatever, it's not as predictable as it once was. Mm -hmm. So, um, Jackie, how, so that's the rain, but how has your weekend <laughs> been going? Um, are you having a uh, Yeah, my weekend's been, been lovely. I just um, said goodbye to my kids. They've gone off with their dad for a few hours so that I could do this. And uh, yeah, so just been hanging out with them today. Went for a big swim before it started to rain. So yeah, good. Nice. And so how, how, how did you start with Women Ed? How did you hear about it? And, uh, you know, what, 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 drew, what drew you to, uh, you know, working with Women Ed? So I saw... Uh, the sort of the information that Kali was putting out around the Thailand schools and it just instantly grabbed my attention. It caught me kind of like Kali caught me at the right time. Um, I have been a part of the international school world for a long time, but I haven't, I've only worked in an international school for um, seven years, but I graduated from one and my mom works in international schools and she's a, a leader. And I sort of thought, well, you know, I've seen really amazing leadership, but um, now that I'm sort of in it, you realize that especially in this part of the world, it's very um, sort of just uh, homogenous white men are seem to be the leaders. And, and I want to get into leadership and I, you know, there's not, I just wanted there to be a place where I could talk to other women and people about how to do that and the best forms of leadership and get that inspiration and, um, yeah, it's just such a, a, such a lovely community and I've met great people in Thailand, like Carly said, and then just being connected to the women ed community on Twitter. Um, just, it just found me at the right time. And it's, it's something that I really love being a part of. That sounds awesome. I think, um, I, that sounds awesome. I think, um, Twitter does, you know, it's, it's a really great, um, um, place to, uh, find like-minded educators, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't on Twitter at all before Women Ed. Um, and now I really like it. It's sort of my place to, to do all my professional stuff, which I like. It separates it from any other kind of social media for me. Um, and yes, the Twitter, the Women Ed Twitter community is, is really strong. And the teacher community on Twitter is, is really big too. Yeah, I totally agree. We'll move on to, yeah, I totally agree. We'll move on to Katie. Hi, Katie. Hi, Hi. good afternoon from Malaysia. Yeah, how, 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 how are things going in Kuala Lumpur? Well, the weather is dry and hot and sunny. And that is unusual because normally at this time of year, you can set your watch at four o'clock by the rain, which lasts for about an hour. Um, four till five but today no rain my husband's on the golf course he's happy although the rest of my apartment is fueled by exam stress and hormones because I have a 16 year old <laughs> and an 18 year old and they are in IB and um, IGCSE years so yeah it's uh, 
it's it's tough in some ways but i got it good in others my goodness yes i feel you um i just sent off my older one to college to australia and he finished his ib and it, the the whole year was one nightmare after another i have to say <laughs> and my younger one is uh, and we were talking uh, before this show and um yeah we were sharing this so yeah hang on there and next year will be much better um my son completely became a different person after ib was over um so yeah and i i bonded with him so much yeah he had six months here with me before he left for college and it was great to you know see see him get back to his normal self <laughs> so yeah um um uh, so tell me um katie um how did women at start in malaysia um uh, you know what drew you to it how did you get to know about it i started november 2020 um rebecca finlay the founding network leader recruited me into the group um she'd already been involved in women at netherlands and she pulled together a group of six of us to form the network and for me, I think I needed women ed more than women ed needed me because I had um, come to Malaysia in 2017 after spending 25 years of my teaching career in Lancashire in the north of England in a really small community and I knew everybody. I'd grown up in the community and I'd been part of the community for such a long time. So coming to Malaysia, um, not having that network around me felt quite alien and so I just felt I needed something. And so when Rebecca recruited me into the group to get things going in 2020, I just felt like it had come along at the perfect time for me. It would be able to open doors for me, give me something extra outside of my school life. And that's exactly what it's been, really. We were in the midst of a pandemic and um, already feeling quite isolated. Um, so to, to meet each other, to meet other professionals, to meet new friends, to get connected with people all over Asia through um, online networks, through Twitter. And it's just really made me feel just as home after 25 years in Lancashire as I do now in Malaysia just after five years. Wow. Uh, yeah, it, this is the power of connection and communities, isn't it? That's so amazing to hear. And our last guest is Jess Gosling, who is not a stranger to this show. Um, so hi, Jess. Hi, how are you? I am good. How are you doing, Jess? Very good, very relaxed. I've had a very nice, um, chill day. I had an early birthday present today, which was a surprise. So I had um, massages and then lunch out and came home and had a little nap. And then I did a bit of work after that. So it's been a very relaxing day. Thank you. That sounds fabulous. And I'm assuming you don't live like, maybe you live about like 15 kilometers from me. So I don't think the weather is much different. Yeah, I'm up the mountain a little bit. So we do get a lot of rain in this actual tiny area, which is bizarre, but it's been a completely dry day and really sunny and hot. Actually, we've had the air con on for the first time. Um, we're trying to not use it, but yeah, the house is a bit warm, so I think it's going to start heating up in Taiwan now. Yeah, yeah, but you never know, you know. Um, there are, you know, there have been times when I moved to Taiwan initially. I would, I would, oh no, spring is here. I don't need my woolens. I don't need my jackets, and I would give them for dry cleaning. I would put them away, 
and then lo and behold you know we would have a cold front and then i would need them all back and yeah so i have learned to not put away my uh woolens and jackets until end of april um because you, it's just so unpredictable here so just tell us about the taiwan chapter you were the one who founded it and then i joined and jessica um it's a you know three of us got together and we've been having a fabulous time um and learning so much from doing these events so how did you get to know about it and you know what drew you to it yeah um like others i feel i started on twitter and i really didn't have any idea about twitter but then i did notice certain names came up a lot particularly on edgy twitter and then women ed was coming up a lot so i was very curious and I think it was around um, July time, I sent a message to Vivienne and she said, yeah, yeah, you know, we have um, women ed all around the world and we'd be interested in Taiwan. And I was like, oh, great. And then like life got very, very busy. We had um, COVID shutdowns in that time. And then she got back to me and was like, so when do you want to start? I was like, right, I can't, I'm sorry. Um, life has gone crazy. Um, but she gave me the, the link to Natasha Hilton and then as life calmed down in the summer in August, I contacted Natasha and um, that's when I talked to you guys. So I just basically chose two friends that I know are, are interested in the same things. Like me and you were obviously talking about journaling club and stuff like that. So I thought maybe um, like the two of you would be perfect to work and we could be in a three because Natasha had warned me like you cannot do it by yourself. But I really did want to make um, a big group of us if possible. So, yeah, it went from there, really. So we started, we built our Facebook group because Facebook is far more popular in Taiwan than um, Twitter, although we're still trying to get people on Twitter. And we had our first face-to-face -face event. And, yeah, that was pretty wonderful. So um, it just really rolled on from there. And I think my motivation really was... Um, I don't know if I want to be a leader. Um, I think I'd like to lead possibly a department, but I really feel there's a lack of women groups in Taiwan and especially women that are focused on a certain area. So I thought it'd be a great thing to have. And Taiwan does get overlooked sometimes because we're a little island um, of China. Um, so I thought it would be nice if we could have something that we called our own as well. Yes, and we have grown and the network has grown um, in the last year. Um, so what we'll do now is we are going to launch into our adverts, followed by news, followed by two-minute tech tip. Um, so grab a coffee, enjoy the news and the adverts, and we'll meet back again in about seven minutes. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers 
and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondlelettersandsounds.org.uk. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. Introducing Autism Aspirational Futures, a virtual SEN conference for parents and carers. Do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, this free virtual conference from Witherslack Group can support them and you. Providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. Don't miss out! Register for free at witherslackgroup.co.uk today. Witherslack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. The Scottish Conservatives have called for Curriculum for Excellence to be axed. Oliver Mundell, Scottish Tory education spokesman, said, Scotland's education system used to rank among the best in the world before the SNP came to power. We should return to the strong, traditional, teacher-led approach that gave so many of us who went to our local school a decent start in life. Quality, knowledge-rich, universal education is at the heart of being Scottish. We pride ourselves on being a nation of innovators, entrepreneurs and thinkers. We are at risk of losing all that if we keep sticking to the same distinctly un-Scottish approach that has seen our schools plummet down international league tables. A report in December found one in four primary school pupils to reach expected standards in reading and numeracy. In Tanzania, extensive collaboration between the Ministry of Education, Science and Technology and local government has resulted in an Education Sector Plan, ESP. For the first time in Tanzania, the plan provides an overarching framework within which the plans and budgets of all implementing agencies must be set and aligned to. The new ASP highlights two key policy initiatives. Firstly, Tanzania's commitment to providing 12 years of free and compulsory basic education to the entire population, 
leaving no one behind, and the progressive expansion of technical and vocational education and training to provide Tanzania with the pool of skilled human resources needed to advance to becoming a semi-industrialised middle-income country by 2025. Since the government of Tanzania started implementing a fee-free basic education policy in 2016, enrolment has increased in basic education and the number of out-of-school children has decreased. The education plan recognises that increasing school access while simultaneously improving learning outcomes will present a major challenge for the country. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to look at fake news and scammers. We all know what a scammer is, but do we really know what fake news is? The NSPCC website explains fake news in an easy to understand way if you want to look a little deeper. However, basically it's disinformation as opposed to misinformation. Misinformation shared without knowledge or intent to harm. Disinformation is shared intentionally. Fake news is nothing new, but for most it's seen as a propaganda or a political tools to influence opinion. However, it's becoming more popular with scammers. I decided to see what happens when you actually follow a fake news advert. I've noticed recently popular social media apps and search engine adverts encouraging investment in cryptocurrency. One ad caught my eye as I was looking at the news headlines on a popular browser. It read, Elon Musk invests 12 million in a new trading platform. I trusted the search engine, so I clicked on the link. Because let's face it, anything Elon invests in is worth looking at. I was taken to a website showing how the company Bitcoin Motion had created an investment robot that invests when Bitcoin climbs and sells when Bitcoin falls. Because Bitcoin is a massively volatile currency, you can earn a large profit in a very short time. It sounds almost too good to be true. On the site, there's a report where Elon himself tells a popular American news presenter to invest $250, and within eight minutes, she's made a profit of $100. Scrolling down, there were testimonials from Dragon's Den, Money Supermarket, and other well-known established names. Next, a button to fill in a simple web form to sign up. I spent some time researching Bitcoin Motion. It was clearly fake. All endorsers had published statements saying they were nothing to do with it. So, I signed up. Within 30 seconds, I had a phone call from another company called FinoFX. Strangely, though, there was a distinctive call transfer noise. A silence before the connection. Why, if they phoned me? Hello? Hello? Hi, today am I speaking to Mr. Steve? Steve what? That's me. Steve, you're speaking to... And I was called Mr. Steve. I should have hung up. Anyway, I was then time pressured so I didn't miss out to give the big long number across my credit card, which I didn't do. So I was sent a WhatsApp message with a secure payment link. Again, I was pushed to open it on my cell phone and pay. I made my excuses and ended the call. A further five messages and calls, some from London, some from Sheffield, came, never leaving a message. The WhatsApp saying, I see you've not made your transaction. I'm calling to assist you. The recording I have is my final call with the supposed investment company. On the 20th of March at 8pm on Tom Rogers' show, we're going to listen to this and discuss the topic. Why not join us? I'm going to leave you with a final thought. I was told to look at the website and see there was a padlock showing it was safe. The padlock and certificate is proof your connection is encrypted. It's not proof of how trustworthy the person on the other end is. Anyone can buy an SSL certificate. Please be careful. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that 
was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. And we are back. So what we're going to do is we're going to dive straight into the questions and discussions. We have lots of things to talk about. So this is my first question is why did you, and we have touched upon this a little bit while we were doing the intros, but what I want to do is talk about what is the vision? Like, what are we, what are we trying to achieve with women ed? So my question to each of the speakers is going to be, what would the educational landscape look like wherever you are uh, when you think that we won't need an organization like women ed? So um, in terms of gender equity, what do you think should happen uh, for us to not be doing what we are doing? Um, I'd invite Katie to go first. Um, I don't know if we'll ever not need networks like women ed. I mean, women and men are fundamentally different and that's okay. That's not what equity is about. But I think when we're within our gendered group, there's a security and we thrive in those networks that support and empower us. I think we're always going to need them. But I think in terms of us not needing them for the purposes of raising awareness about gender equity or perhaps as a medium for us to work towards gender parity, I'm not sure if we're even anywhere near that yet. I think it's generational and contextual. If I think about my daughter now who's 18, she's far more aware than I was as an 18-year-old of her rights as a female. And my son, who's 16, is certainly more aware of concepts like... um, consent and choice and the rights of females but I don't think we've got it all nailed yet I think we're a long way from it and for me until we can stop showing surprise when a female prime minister is elected or a female politician is successful we've not got there and we still haven't had a female US president yet and that would be wonderful and you know the 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 pandemic highlighted female leadership really positively, I felt, on a global level. But there was a lot of surprise in the tone of the reports about that. There was a lot of maybe an attitude of, well, we told you so women can be great leaders. And I I think we need to aspire to get to a position where when we use females in front of words, so female CEO, female pilot, female surgeon, that that's eradicated because the use of the word female before those words indicates uh, uniqueness and surprise. So I think for me, women ed is about empowerment, raising um, awareness, looking for allies and allyship within our networks from our male leaders. We need less surprise around female firsts. We need less surprise around female achievements. And, and I think when we get there, the educational landscape will begin to look very different with the number of female school leaders being comparative. Um, to the numbers of females within the teaching profession. But for me, Women Ed is all about that empowerment to grow and that building of allyship within our male communities. Would anybody else um, add to what Katie just said? I can add, Jaya. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I totally agree (laughs) with Katie, and I think that word empowerment is a really great one. I mean, that's what we really focus on um, because we find um, with people here in Taiwan, especially like the the level of confidence is low. Um, And I think just giving people a real network and connection to support one and support each other and to 
to work through problems and help create solutions for people is um, like our ultimate aim really here. Um, with the landscape, which I think is interesting, I think women have to be given like, as, as, as like Vivian Pyrot says, is like flexible hours and part-time positions and even things like creches in schools um, inset where there's there's sort of um, the children can be looked after their own children if obviously if the school has a day off these sort of provisions would really really help um, myself as because I'm a teacher and my husband's a teacher I took time off um, in order to stay at home with my daughter but to be honest going back to school was incredibly difficult because suddenly I had the double role of you know mainly caring for her and also everything in her school and being a teacher myself so it can be quite crushing for women um in the current landscape with schools um and also i think that the biggest thing is seeing more fem females in leadership certainly or even middle management positions and more diversity and not just females um diverse leadership is necessary as well and particularly in international schools absolutely yes um yeah, we still have a long way to go, and this, um, this, uh, especially with the flexible hours. You're right, and um, even with pays uh, and a lot of international school things can, you know, things are not transparent, and uh, and again, you know, we don't have unions, so we don't know what's going on, um, honestly. So you know, there need there needs to be organization like this where people support each other, men and women. Um, just going back, because Women Ed is a grassroots organization, and uh, I, I talked when I talked to Vivian, I asked her what it meant, grassroots, and, and we did talk about making a difference in the local communities, and um, we are all working in international schools, but, you know, there are, uh, there are schools wherever we are, the local schools, um, maybe local languages, maybe in English. So um, what kind of events have you been organizing, and... Uh, you know, what, what has worked so far, you know, with these events? Jackie, would you like to go first? So um, absolutely, I was just saying that um, definitely we are really, really far from gender equity and kind of equity from, uh, equity of all kinds, because I, in international schools, uh, there are no unions. And a lot of times um, there, you know, there's no transparency in terms of pays, or uh, other things and so um, these kind of organizations where we support each other men and women it really really does make a difference we are a grassroots organization and when i was talking to vivian last time i did ask her what does grassroots mean and uh she was uh she meant that you know it's really wherever you are there are no there are no um the the the, the organization has values and guidelines but each chapter can run their events and their groups in the way that they want. So it's very, very uh, focused on what the local needs are and what kind of support people need in their specific chapter. Um, so what I'm curious is, what kind of events have you been organizing uh, wherever you are, whether it's in Malaysia or Thailand or Taiwan, and what has really worked for you um, in these events and what have you learned from them? Uh, I'll ask Jackie to start first. Hi, yeah, sorry, I couldn't unmute myself for a second there. I had to run upstairs because my kids came home. Um, I We have been 
sort of at the mercy of COVID for the last year that we have um, been running uh, Women Ed. But in some ways that's worked in our favor because we've had a captured audience, at least we did for the first few events because people were stuck at home. So everyone was um, happy to join a webinar. So we had a really great introductory event where we just sort of, you know, um, met people from around the country. And then our big event uh, was all about employment. And Carly did an amazing job of getting that all going. And we connected people from, uh, with speakers from Malaysia, from uh, Dubai, um, from the UK. And so it was really, it was really awesome and so inspiring and, and really practical, which I think everyone really liked. Um, there was, a, you know, uh, how to hire from both sides of the desk. Like if you're the, the person doing the hiring or the person wanting to be hired, there was, um, CV stuff. Um, and yeah, that was, that was really awesome. And it was also so cool to work together, like me being in Phuket and Sadie being in Chiang Mai and the others being in Bangkok, like to be a group was really, um, was really cool. Cause we've never actually kind of met each other in person. Um, and so that's what we've been doing. And then there's also been our Thai members have done a few um, workshops in Thai for Thai teachers, which has also been really cool to get the local community um, involved too. Yeah, uh, I was talking to Carly and Katie before and uh, Carly mentioned uh, something uh, that one of your local members did and um, it was called Teach Me or something. Carly, could you tell us a little bit more about that event? Um, yeah, sure. So I think the interesting thing with Women Ed is, you know, obviously it, I really like the ethos of, you know, helping anyone on their journey. But, you know, as, as just kind of mentioned earlier on, for, for a lot of people, leadership might not actually be the, the final um, end point, you know, but at the same time, you still want that community, that professional development. And we've got a fantastic uh, network lead, Pink, um, who is Thai. And she led uh, just a teach meet really for local educators and had a fantastic turnout. And it was just really nice to be able to have that, you know, not it not just being an international school uh, thing, you know, trying to sort of cater to the local educators as well. So it was all in Thai. And some of the, the um, practice, you know, that's going on um, with local educators is really, really positive and, you know, being able to share great ideas. Um, you know, she did an outstanding job there. So I think, um, you know, that's something that's been fantastic, really. Uh, you know, Pink sort of led the way there, for sure. So I have a few questions um, about this event. So Pink is working in international school, and she was then, uh, the, the event was joined by local educators. Is that how it worked, Carly? And my other question is, um, uh, what, what did the format of this event look like? Like, what was Teach Me really? So uh, Pink's uh, our network lead, but she doesn't actually work in an international school. She works for um, a company called Girls Rising. Uh, definitely worth checking out. And um, she's got a lot of networks, basically, with local educators in different schools. Um, so for her, really, when she set that out, it was an online format, Zoom. And, you know, just put it out to people, you know, is there anyone that would be willing to sort of share their best practice? And they just touched upon different areas of their teaching or, you know, educational practice in general. And just really sort of shared that those ideas together, really. Um, so I think that was quite positive. And obviously, with the restrictions of COVID, worked quite well. Um, but I guess in terms of other events that we've led, you know, um, Jackie mentioned the career clinic, we've had like an online teach meet. Um, but more recently as well, we had sort of like an in-person coffee morning, 
um, which I don't know, with COVID felt like a big success, you know, getting people uh, in the same place. I actually met um, Becky, our network lead as well, for the very first time, which was uh, really, really cool. Um, but yeah, I think I think that can be a challenge, actually, when you've got a women ed network where the local language is not English, um, you know, and you've got that dichotomy then of having international um, educators from American schools, British schools and so on but then also catering to, to local educators. So, you know, I do feel that we've been very, very lucky um, with, with um, our network lead pink, you know, and hopefully as we move forward, we can sort of recruit um, more educators as well. Yeah, this is something of a challenge. Uh, when I was talking to Vivian, she did say that they hope that, you know, local educators and their needs can be addressed um, in every chapter. And uh, I know definitely we've been giving this a lot of thought in Taiwan, and it's great to see that it has been successful um, in Thailand. Um, it's really great to involve the community where you are, you are rather than, you know, of course, uh, we do have an international school community and that's great to have too. Um, Katie, what about Malaysia? What kind of events have you been having there? So we've taken, so we've taken a very literal uh, meaning for women, educating women. Um, most of our audience are from education, but many of our speakers have been from outside education forums. And we've tried to take the same format. It's an evening session. It's 7 till 8.15. Um, it's what I would consider like low-level interaction. So we, we say it's fine to have cameras off. You don't have to communicate with us if you don't want. You can type things in the chat. But if you want to put your pajamas on and get in bed and listen to the presentations, then that's also okay with us. Um, we obviously started online with COVID and the model that we've taken in the evening is two speakers back to back, each one speaking for about 20 minutes with questions. We've had um, um, Malaysian tourist industry CEOs, we've had female entrepreneurs, founding charity members, as well as some high profile school leaders. We've had a range of nationalities um, and people from different cultures. Last week, we had our first male speaker, which we were really pleased with. But there's been a huge variety for us. And I think we've developed a core following um, coming to the session each time. Normally on Eventbrite, we're selling out tickets each time. But we normally sell out tickets. But then we find on the evening, probably maybe 75% might come to the actual event. We find a lot of people watching them on record as well but we always thought when we started women ed that we would because we all thought the pandemic would be over very soon didn't we and, and obviously we've learned that it, <laughs> it isn't but we thought that we'd be doing face-to-face -face events um and I, I don't know whether we'll ever go back to that and what i find really interesting in i know a lot of the other networks and how they work is that we're also different and so you've got um, a practical session that goes on in, in um, Thailand and they're doing the conference about applications, job interviews, the career workshops. And we've got speakers that aren't educationalists coming, trying to motivate and inspire. And then you've got some of the networks doing face-to-face -face coffee mornings, just give them an opportunity to chat. So I think what the, the beauty of it all is, is that we've taken all such a very different approach and yet we're all broadly in the same time zone. So if things are online, you can generally attend all of them if you're within that time zone. 
Yeah, um, I think when we were talking before, we were saying we need, you know, we can collaborate more and even advertise each other's events and, you know, um, uh, just build up that momentum with each other. And that would be so amazing. Katie, I'm, I'm, I have just one more question for you about the events you're having. Um, so this is really amazing that, you know, you're providing all that extra, you know, uh, apart from education, you're having these other um, dialogues. Um, about life outside education. So what kind of topics are you covering, like, uh, apart from education? I could hear something about tourism, so maybe traveling around Thailand, or is it finances? Like, what kind of things have you covered? All kinds of things. Mm -hmm. It has been, um, we've had a lady, we had a lady on last week who was just so fascinating. She's a, comes from a very traditional Malaysian, East Coast Malaysian upbringing, um, Muslim, and she had, she's the breadwinner in her family, which is highly unusual. And she talked to us about the challenges of balancing motherhood alongside a high profile career, but also now she, she moved her family over to the Middle East. She was the working um, breadwinner in the family. Her husband stayed at home and she talked to us about the challenges of her family and what they thought about that and how she overcame them. And then when she's, she's now moved back to Malaysia and she's head of um, East Malaysia Tourism, but her husband is still supporting their children to finish their education in the Middle East. So that was really inspiring. We had a lady set who came to talk to us about setting up a, um, a charity and another that came to talk to us about setting up a business. And these are women who basically are inspiring because they're in places of adversity when they've done it. So the charity um, Greater Action that offers support to refugees was set up within the pandemic time because these people could not make a living from the food they were selling and you know to, to think that somebody has set up a charity that is um just making a difference in so many ways to people's lives in the midst of a pandemic is absolutely amazing and similarly the, the women that we've had who've set up their own businesses to find that they're working mothers or they hold down um, their business is a second job that then evolves um, it's, it's just amazing. It's so empowering to hear these women speak. The ladies that we've had from education have come from such a vast background that it's just incredibly interesting to listen to their journeys because we all come from such different vibrant backgrounds. So to share those experiences and try to understand each other um, and find commonality with, within it has just been so wonderful. And a lot of them, our network um, attendees now come each time um, they really enjoy listening to the variety and I think it's the variety in our network that's kept our audience um, busy really. It sounds amazing um, thanks Katie that you know I think of, of a lot of, of if, if there are any women at leaders listening from around the world I think we're all looking for ideas so it's it's great that we can share that Jess, would you like to tell us, we've been doing a lot of different stuff in Taiwan as well, so uh, would you like to tell us about the events that uh, we've had in Taipei here? Yeah, so as you know, um, we've had um, two face-to-face -face, um, meetings and two Zoom events, and I feel the two are very different. Um, I can't really decide which I like most. Um, I think the face-to-face -face has been lovely because we've been very lucky with the pandemic here and it hasn't really affected Taiwan, so we've been able to do it. And I feel that really does bring a community atmosphere to the 
um, to the whole meeting. And I think it brings together people that may never have met or may even just feel isolated because Taiwan doesn't have a huge expat community either. Um, so I think it's really nice that we can bring women together that maybe just need some support. And like we had our one yesterday and it was just what we were seven of us in total. And it was actually very lovely um, and just very relaxed. And it felt just like a coffee shop conversation with, you know, strangers, you, friends you haven't met yet, basically. Um, and I, I really like that. And like we always say, if, if our conversations just support one person in that group and makes them feel more powerful or, um, you know, more, more um, confident to go out and change something about themselves, be that 10% braver, I think it, it's really worth it. But then our Zoom events, we've had um, much greater attendance, um, which is lovely because, you know, we can obviously, especially when we've done them in the evening, we can have people from um, Europe join as well. Um, and I enjoyed that. I loved meeting um, Saventica um, and her talk about being confident in the workplace. And then um, Malabico talked about well-being. And then Women Ed Spain also joined us as well. So it was our first event, which was Zoom, was quite interesting because it brought about completely different people in, all into one space with different topics, which I think really kept the event going. And then our second online event, which was um, CVs, um, again, I think was very interesting because um, I had a little chat about it because I've done a lot of research on CV writing. And then we had a recruiter come and talk all about CVs and her insights were incredibly interesting because I feel we can't know when we create something ourselves, we, we can have critical friends that look at stuff, but somebody who looks at thousands of CVs regularly um, can just give such great advice. So I really felt that was a, a brilliant um, uh, sort of personal development and professional development opportunity. And I think that's what I think Women Ed is really special for is that there's all these professional development opportunities and there's no charge for them. And I think that's very rare nowadays that people offer their time and their experience for free. And um, that's what I really, really like about Women Ed. Absolutely, yes. Um, and I think just like um, I think Katie said that, um, that uh, she needed Women Ed more than Women Ed needed her. And I feel like that's true for myself as well. And uh, I have seen myself grow and uh, just like Jess said, you know, strangers you have, uh, uh, strangers, people you haven't met. So it's like there are no strangers, just friends you haven't met. And, uh, you know, through these events, you meet new people and you just get to know them. They're intimate conversations, even though you're meeting for the first time, especially in the face-to-face -face events. But even with our first Zoom event, people really opened up. We had anonymous questions about uh, any, you know, a dilemma people were going through. Um, and uh, it's really interesting that um, there's the 16 personalities test, which... Uh, we have a weekly newsletter for teachers from our school and our head kind of suggested that we do that. And I've been doing that, like this was my third or the fourth time doing it. And the, uh, when you do it, and if you sign in, uh, the program um, saves your results. And it was so interesting for me that when I did it this time, after about nine months, I had moved from being an introvert to being an extrovert. Uh, and the first three times I did it, uh, I was like 40% and, you know, my score in introversion was 40%, whereas now I'm like 55 plus percent extrovert, uh, which, you know, which I can see in myself that change where, 
I am more open to talking to uh, people I haven't met before and being more vulnerable and opening up. So guess what I'm leading to is how has this experience been for you as a person? Have you had any aha moments or defining moments or, you know, anything? How, ha how has this experience worked out for you? Um, I don't know who would like to unmute yourself and just, just go for it. Um, I think for me, really, the, one of the big defining things about women ed is just that openness and sort of collegiality between women. Just as you said earlier on, you know, uh, it, it's not strangers, it's just friends you haven't met yet. And I really feel through my experiences that that's been the case, you know, even thinking about like the, the career clinic, just reaching out to, to women within and also not within the network and then being so willing to sort of give up their time. And, you know, one defining moment, I think, for me at the career clinic was when we had that Q&A session at the end and just that sort of openness, you know, I think, you know, a lot of feedback we got was from people that attended that they were like, oh, wow, you know, I thought I was alone, basically. I thought I was alone in feeling that, I know, at my local place of work, I was maybe experiencing certain challenges, but I'm not alone. Or just being inspired, basically, by other people and, you know, talking about some really key and current issues. Um, I think it's just been really wonderful um, and to see, you know, and even for me on a, a personal level, you know, when I think about my um, career journey, just like the openness of people around me, I've had conversations with, so for example, Katie in another network, um, you know, and that's really made um, big differences when you just want to touch base on different things or, you know, within my own network. So I think that for me, that's been some of the key um, really um joining um women ed and just it's been quite inspiring and, and it really encourages you to to be that you know all right then they say 10 percent braver and we can sit here and you know say it but it really it really does you know to give context two weeks before that career clinic i can remember thinking wow no one's gonna attend it me and jackie were talking about it um but just even even that you know everyone pulling together um, you know, we had so much interest in the end uh, and, and sort of realizing that taking those um, sort of leaps of faith, you know, putting yourself out there, you know, can pay off. And you know what, even if they didn't, you learn great things along the way. And, you know, the, the teamwork's just been really, really fantastic, really, for me. I can pop in next, um, if that's all right, Jaya. Um, I would just agree with what's been said. Um, I think it, it's very empowering for everybody who is part of Women Ed and, I, I tend to agree with you, Jaya, that I'm always more of a writer than a speaker. Um, so it, it doesn't really come naturally to me to want to go and hold events and things. But I think just with practice, it, it's definitely made it easier. So it's em empowered me maybe to, instead of just sort of sitting back or being quiet, just to step up and start um, moving things along and to help people really. And I think which I've really, really liked about being part of Women Ed is that every session we attend helps people like uh, zoom is is wonderful because it's recorded as well so beyond the 50 or so that attend many people can watch the clinics etc and gain a lot of knowledge from them so for me i think that that's a really important aspect and like i know your um one of the first clinics i watched was actually your one that you talked about about um you know, getting jobs, etc. And it was incredibly helpful. And yeah, I think I've played back a couple of videos a few times. So it, it's really, really impactful. And I think um, that that really um, makes motivates me to want to stay in women ed, you know, whether I, I stay in Taiwan or not, move on, it's always going to be something that I want to be part of my life. Um, because yeah, it, 
it really helps personal growth. Yeah, I, w- I would add into that. It, it, it so helps personal growth. And it, it's this thing, again, of it's free CPD. It, it's th- these people are, are offering you an opportunity to improve yourself in whatever that looks like, free. And the, the, the speakers that we've had, they've just been so amazing. And, you know, we move towards equity. Actually, if we want to be, have a more equitable society, what we really need to do is get to grips with what we as women need to do better. Because the other flip side of that is getting male allyship on board, which is really tricky. But I mean, first and foremost, let's look inside and see what we can do pushing forward using our networks. You know, males are so much better at using networks than females generally. And I don't like to talk in generalizations, but it's true. You know, that's why there's a saying of the old boys network. There isn't an old girls network. There should be. There should be where we empower each other, where we push each other forward. And there's that saying that I've seen popped up on social media about, you know, be friends with people who will speak about you positively in a room full of people. And that's what Women Ed is all about, speaking positively, pushing each other, rising um, by lifting others. Uh, And I I certainly think that for me, I've always been a faker of confidence so people who meet me think I'm naturally very confident but I have totally just faked that for my entire life and actually in the last three years maybe I'm not faking it as much as I used to and I don't know whether that's my age and I'm just maybe not even bothered what people think anymore but I certainly don't have that self-consciousness or worry around what people are thinking it's not that I, I don't want people to like me or have that around me but I just I just feel it's not as important. I, I do truly think that women have just brought that into my life. Absolutely, Katie. I've also learned that I do care about people, but I've, I have stopped caring about what they think of me because, you know, that's their business and I don't want to get in their business. Um, absolutely, you know, I so agree with what, what you've been saying. Jackie, do you have something to add about how this journey has been for you? I can't really add more than what's been said. I keep, I'm sort of sitting here nodding and smiling and, and agreeing. Like it really, yeah, just, it really is that place. It's, um, you know, for me, I was feeling like I didn't have people in my sort of, uh, in real life that I, um, yeah, that sort of had the same, um, drive as me and the same determination for this, um, idea of equity um, between men and women in leadership. And I just feel like Women Ed gives me that um, place to have those conversations and, and yeah, and then that support and that confidence. Like it really does make you 10% braver. Like it, it just echoing what everyone has said. Absolutely. And so apart from personal growth, um, how has this affected the way you, you look at leadership, at gender pay gap? Is there some new things you realized in your context so definitely, you know, um, the, the gender, uh, uh, you know, report that comes out, uh, I think there's one that came out recently. And uh, even before women had started, uh, that's, that's kind of what, uh, you know, kind of uh, spiraled them into action when the, uh, when the gender report in UK came out. But being where you are outside of your home country, um, what did you realize about uh, the leadership situation um, and the gender pay gap, or you know, lack of any flexibility or support for teach for uh, for uh, teachers who've just had 
uh, a baby. Um, so what kind, what, what, what jumped out at you that you started noticing um, after you became, uh, after you got involved in women ed? I would say one of the things I noticed was I thought that it was, um, there was less gender equity in terms of heads of school leadership positions in the UK. But when you get internationally, it's so much worse. It's So if we take the Fabicia Network, which is the Federation of British uh, International Schools in Asia, um, who are working really hard on the DEIJ agenda at the moment, but they have 18.5% of their heads of school position, and they've got over 80 schools in the network, are female. So that's less than 20%. And the really scary thing is that it was le it was the same last year, and that barely rose from the year before. So it's just, it's scary internationally. It, it's, um, I think, behind the times in terms of gender equity, and there's a lot to be done. Um, in, I don't know if anybody saw the November 2021 United Nations Gender Index study. It was really disheartening because it talked about giving a new prediction. They had predicted in 2008 that the, it would take 99 years to get to gender parity globally, close that gender gap. And they're now predicting 136 years. So it's not even getting better. Um, I think internationally, we, we definitely have a long way to go. Like, you know, maternity leave is um, very, very, I mean, for my uh, company, because it's company decided in international schools, it, it's 12 weeks, um, which my staff, my local teachers particularly, think is quite good because um, they've said it's less elsewhere. But there is no uh, paternity leave. Um, there's no adoption leave. Um, many of our local staff will breastfeed for two years, so they're expected to return to work. It's culturally expected they'll breastfeed, so they have to rebuild time into their timetables for them to be able to go and um, express. Um, I mean, things like having a gender policy or having a menopause policy, these are sort of way behind where the UK are. So pushing these things forward and getting school leaders who are predominantly male to take them seriously. Because I, I mentor, um, as a sideline, I mentor uh, young teachers and middle leaders. And what they tell me is they are really still struggling to deal with male-dominated leadership teams who actually don't recognize the lack of equity, equitability in, in their organizations. Um, and that's often displayed in a lot of their unconscious bias dialogue or within their microaggressions. So for me, we need to really, you know, it's not necessarily just about the gender pay gap. There's such a big um, raising awareness um, drive that needs to go on in schools um, in terms of those male leaders at that top level, because 18.5 of British international schools with school, female school leaders is just not okay. It's, it's, and it's not getting better. In the last 30 years, Internationally, there was a recent study done by the International um, Leadership Community. They said it had improved by 3% in the last 30 years. So we're making such small gains that actually now United Nations Gender Index just told us it'll be another 136 years. Then maybe my grandchildren's children, does that generationally sound right? Or are we going to say in another five years that actually it'll be another 150 years? I don't know. We've still got to do it for me looking from allyship from those 
um, predominantly white male school leaders is what we need to do. And I think that's why there was a defining moment in Women Ed Malaysia last week when we had an, our first main speaker and we had our first three male attendees. And that for me was just like, oh, we might be getting somewhere here. I think, um, yeah, you're right, Katie. And I, um, they, yeah, I think in Southeast Asia, it's worse. I'm not sure if internationally it is bad, but I think, you know, in, in countries in Europe and things like that, where the culture is more, um, you know, striving for for equity, um, it's becoming more common to see more female leaders. But in Southeast Asia, it's still part of that um, sort of colonialist colonial viewpoint is that white man equals strength and power and knowledge and you know credibility and so it's it's like a it's all mixed up in the culture um, of of the countries that we're in and and although I you know absolutely agree that we should be pushing for things like better maternity paternity all of that what i have discovered in and as part of sort of having these conversations around women ed is that it's it's you have to be really careful because when i talk to my thai colleagues they don't feel like they have the power to make a lot of change it's not a, a cultural thing to do here so they have to, they feel like they have to be really careful about speaking up or about saying stuff like that because it's not a culturally acceptable thing to do and and so we have to be careful as the visitors in the countries and as these sort of outspoken white women is not to impose our our beliefs or our um, wants in a foreign country. And that's something that I've become very aware of because I have a tendency to be a bit of a, you know, um, dog with a bone and just kind of go for it and be like, well, why isn't it the same for everything? And why can't we change this? And why can't we do this? And my head of school is very uh, supportive and I've, you know, is open to loads of conversations. But at the end of the day, you know, sometimes his uh, hands are tied because it's part of a much bigger um, conversation that is to do with where the country that we're that we're in. Yeah, for sure. Because when you think about, um, you know, our local educators, you know, it's, it's the same kind of patterns whereby, you know, the, the majority of the teaching body are female teachers, but then at the top, you have male leadership. You know, and particularly when you think about um, Bangkok and Thailand, you know, it's very, it's still very patriarchal. Um, you know, so there are some additional barriers, just like Jackie said, that we're not necessarily facing and you know things like gender pay gap you know depending on where you are in the world really determines whether you can sort of um, campaign for that or, or make change so I think it is about particularly whenever your networks um, looking at like the, the local um, culture and situation and really sit thinking right well where can we make um, those those same sort of uh, changes really for sure. Sorry, just to, to add on to that, you just reminded me that I was thinking that one of the things that I, I you asked the question, Jaya, about, you know, what have you learned about being a part of Women Ed and how you think of leadership? And I, I think, and again, it's generalization, but I think women tend to be um, this sort of more creative and more like of... Um, you know, at least the conversations we had at our career clinic were like this. And you, you people, uh, female leaders want to um, lift others up and get, you know, encourage everybody and be part of the team and sort of listen more and things like that. Not to say that male leaders don't do that, but I do think female leadership is different. And I think that creativity um, 
is important and I'm starting to to think, you know, okay, so this is the way it's done at my school or somewhere else or in an organization. How can we think about doing it differently? And and again, I think being part of the women ed conversation and community has given me um, just it encourages me to to think more creatively about leadership and come up with with solutions. Um, but yes, I think if if there were more women in leadership, maybe they would they would push things a little bit more, or maybe they would just be able to think more creatively. Like, okay, so we have these restrictions of being in Malaysia, being in Thailand, we can't really change the law but how can we still make it a little bit easier yeah within within the restrictions that we have absolutely um, uh, Jackie I would um, I would totally agree we were talking yesterday um, after our women at event and um, I I personally feel that leadership qualities at the moment in many organizations including schools are defined by the white male standards and uh, what I feel like everybody has to uh, gain from having more women leaders um, because we need to add what you just what you said more create creativity more you know a different kind of communication um, where where we listen more to each other uh, we hold up space for others um, there's more empathy more listening and like you said I'm not saying that men don't do that but um, but men and women are inherently different. So it's great to have both both those things rather than uh, just that male energy uh, kind of overpowering, uh, especially when there's so many uh, female teachers at schools. Jess, do you have something to yeah, add? I do. It was kind of on that line um, that I just think that there's different styles of leadership between male and female quite often. And that's what's lacking. If you just have one style of leadership throughout your school, there's nobody to question or to, you know, to try and make a balance. And I think it's actually a real worry, that situation. Um, as I was recently searching for jobs, what, what I decided to do, and this is one solution, is whenever I see a school I like, I look directly at the staffing. I look directly at who's in the middle management positions, the senior leaders, the head. And then I look at the CEO because it's often an old white man, quite honestly, um, but I feel if there's enough of a balance there, that's the school I want to go for. And some schools I just haven't gone for when I see there's no balance. Um, so that that's one way of kind of fighting it in our own way that we support the schools that do um, support women to be in leadership positions. Another point I want to make with international schools where we talked about the um, transparency of pay scales is that there should be that with every international school, which there blatantly isn't. But I feel that teachers should be um, put on a pay scale that reflects when they graduated from their teaching um, qualification. So if you did take some time off to raise your child, for example, then you're still on the same pay scale. Because like, I think anyone who ha has a child knows that perhaps your, your strongest qualification is actually being a parent and raising a child. And I mean, no more so than if you work in primary, because you, you go through everything with them. And it's amazing PD. And I just feel that way could then people could go onto the same pay scale as males and there wouldn't just be this this huge gap that there often is if people take time out. Yeah, and off the back of that as well, it goes back to fundamentally male and female being different. And males naturally seem to be better at negotiating salaries, which is what is done in the international field. And um, because they're 
better at negotiating, they end up with a better salary doesn't, doesn't help us, does it? And um, I think that this lack of transparency around pay scales is really only to stop everybody knowing and seeing what really is really going on that we all absolutely know. Exactly. And um, just going back to what we have been talking about, you know, where um, uh, in our local culture, uh, cultures, wherever we are, there are certain values um, that we, we also need to follow and we can't blatantly say, oh, we want to change everything. So, so that's where I think the grassroots um, work of Vimanet comes in, where uh, we want to involve more and more um, local uh, teachers. Um, so, you know, the change comes there as well. Um, the other thing is involving more men into the Vimanet sphere and our work um, and having males as allies, I think that's really, really, really important that we work together. And I know, um, Katie, you mentioned at your re recent event, you had uh, a few male uh, attendees and even a speaker. So um, I, I think it will be great if we can, um, I know, uh, you know, brainstorm some ideas. I know I did not, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you can think of anything where, where we can do what we can do to involve um, male leaders more or is there anything else like how did it work for you Katie how did you get those uh, you know uh, those uh, what we called hashtag he for she um, uh, attendees or uh, participants yeah and that's the way I got them I, I kind of just I approached them personally and said we, we need more male allies we got a first male speaker do you think you might be able to come to the session tomorrow evening and really like to see there, you know, you always talk so positively about women in leadership, but actually what we really need is the action because it's, it's no good having this intention without the action behind it. Otherwise, it's just a thought. It's not going anywhere. So for me, I took the personal approach and I just like directly said to them, I really need you. You, you are intentional in all of your thoughts and words around everything but I need you to be actionable in what you're doing. So can you come to the network and can you try and push it out um, to, you know, may, to other males who may be allies? I think, first of all, it, it, you know, for me, getting that allyship really is raising awareness. It's not something that's on a male's agenda because it doesn't necessarily affect them in the same way. Um, so we've got to put it on their agenda and talking in factu factual words, you know, um, pointing out to them that, you know, you know, 18.5% to go back to that are females. Where are the rest? You know, what, what can we do about that? Do we support our middle leaders as females to grow through the networks to become our leaders? Because if we don't, where do we get our next head of schools from? And just putting them quest those questions to them as well as actually giving them the statistics. Because I think a lot of male leaders that it's totally unconscious bias. It's something where they believe there's not an issue. Um, you know, one person said to me recently, I was having a conversation with them. They said it was about an internal position. It wasn't at my school. It was at another school, but they sort of talked about, we need more strong female leaders. I don't even know what that means. Strong female leaders, um, you know, in the gym each evening, more females that act like males. We, we just need more female leaders, um, you know, great female leaders, but, but using an acronym like that in front, you know, using a, a descriptor like that in front of female doesn't sit well. And I think it's just pointing out 
to them. So I said to that man, what do you mean by that? He said, well, just mean good at their job. And I said, yeah, well, we need more leaders that are good at their job. But what do you mean by that? And we had a discussion. And it was a really positive one. But I think, you know, challenging it all the time, you know, is really important uh, to raise awareness, to put those statistics around. And of course, there's so much we can do in schools because we can start with our young people as well. You know, looking for positive role models within our theme weeks, within, you know, if we're doing science week, looking for positive role models for um, science in females. So there's, there's so much we can do in schools that doesn't have to be hardcore down the gender pay gap, but can be more subtle. Looking at our resources in the small world area, you know, have we got male nurse figurines? Things like that are subtle, but they're really powerful for our young learners as well. So... Yeah, I got went off bit of, off topic a little bit, but yeah, if we're going to do allyship, it starts when the kids are three as well. Can't start when they're fifty, and that's hard. Katie, I love what you said about um, the yeah, just being with the students. The students are really what inspires me, probably more than anything. I think because. Um, it became very obvious a couple of years ago that there wasn't a lot of diversity in our leadership. And I thought, how can I be having conversations with students? I'm a, I'm a university counselor. How can I be having conversations with female students about their future when they can't see any female leaders? Um, and that, so they are my inspiration daily, just being like, okay, how can I encourage them to, um, to have a voice and to feel like they can speak up against a, still a predominantly male leadership that, you know, tells them uh, that they can't do, I don't know, school events or something like that, or still has a lot of the power decision-making in their student leadership uh, world. And so it's like, how can, you know, teaching them some of the, I don't know, sort of obedient disobedience, is that what it is? Like, you know, they, you won't, you don't want them to cause a, a riot, although sometimes I wish they would, but, you know, but to be a little bit more assertive, if they don't practice it now at 16, 17, 18, then that, you know, it's going to be a really hard thing, like you said, to learn when they're older. Like it's taken me until I've gotten to my thirties to feel like I really have a voice, you know, and even now it's only just getting louder. I wish that I had, you know, had, this sort of knowledge of myself you know 10 years ago yeah absolutely and it's just what jess has put in the chat and she said it's causing good trouble and you know my mum always said to me you can get away with saying most things if you just put it in the right way and you say it in the right way and i think we need to be um encouraging our children and young people not just our girls but all of our children and young people to question uh, and to say you know to ask why and to ask how many and to ask why does it happen this way so that they can you know, be proactive. And certainly, like I said you know, earlier, my children are very different than I was um, as at 18 or, or, or 16. But it definitely needs more influence in the earlier years because in terms of gender and establishing gender stereotypes, it's basically there by the age of eight and all the research shows that. So we have to go back to how can we help our children and young people so that eventually, generationally, we will change this. Absolutely, yes. Um, I think it's really important to work with children as well as um, people we work with. And I think um, it's really important. A lot of times it's not like they're not interested or they're against it. It's just that they're not aware. And it's our, you know, that could be one of our uh, goals to make um, the men aware and, uh, you know, <laughs> give them the honor of being a hashtag 
he for she. Moving on to um, another aspect is the future. So what, what's coming up in your respective um, um, organization and what, what is exciting you at the moment? What are you looking forward to? I think for, for us, Jaya, because we just did our event yesterday, we're kind of putting our heads together, aren't we, a little bit and trying to think about how to move things forward. We've had a bit of a chat about trying to involve more local teachers because we, we realize there is a gap there. I mean, we do have teachers, um, expat teachers from all different countries, you know, working as online tutors and working in bushy bands, not just international schools. But I think um, reaching out to more um, people off Taiwan would be excellent for us. Um, so we will have to kind of go with that. Um, we found a lovely space, which is nice as well, where we, we had our event yesterday. So hopefully we'll have uh, more head to head events, too. So. Yeah, we're going to give ourselves a little bit time to decompress and then have a chat again, possibly next month and see see where to go from here. It sounds really, really positive how your event went. So that's really, really awesome. And I think in terms of sort of women ed Thailand, um, I think we the COVID definitely represented a challenge. I think uh, similar to what you were saying before at the beginning, we imagined ourselves to be having um, frequent in-person events. Um, you know, the I think it's quite interesting from our last event, we had like a, a coffee morning and we had some of the women arrive and it was really interesting from the conversation is that even though obviously people were there to connect professionally and, you know, and build those, those connections, but I think just sort of like on a human level as well, being able to meet more people um, and have that sense of community, like that sort of theme came through really strong. So I think in the future, what we'll probably do sort of long-term over the rest of the year is collaborate more for sure with the different networks. You know, we've got Taiwan now, which is fantastic. You know, we've got Malaysia. So definitely having more um, future collaborations, you know, Joe and uh, I was talking to Joe and Katie about that before um, the, the show, but also maybe just sort of, you know, maybe once every so often as well, having that opportunity for some people to connect in person, whether that's just a, a coffee morning, it, it could be um, something that people could then look forward to as well. Um, and I definitely think that after the success of the careers clinic, you know, and obviously just you've talked about your CV um, clinic, you know, these are things that people have found really beneficial. Um, and I think it would be really great to sort of put on these events again, you know, and thinking about women in Malaysia, there was an awesome talk I've attended before, you know, where you had speakers on well-being and so on. You know, there's a reason why um, such events really have great attendance. And I think the, the more we can sort of serve our community that way, the better, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I think in serving the community, we definitely need in Malaysia to look to um, building our Women Ed Malaysia team behind the scenes with some local um, people. At the moment, we're all international expats and we would love to get some local people involved in it and um, we started out as a team of six and in July um, I'm moving on to the Philippines so we'll be down to a team of three in um, in Malaysia so in terms of succession planning and sustaining you know international people move on that's the nature of international teachers um, but we need to build something in there to accommodate that um, for me personally, getting Women Ed Philippines set up will be a project for next year, next academic year. And really, I think there's a lot of work that we can do within the Asian network collaborations. I've said before, we could be the ultimate Mai Tai group 
um, for Malaysia, Thailand and Taiwan in, uh, in terms of collaborating together. And one thing I was going to just add on to what Katie was saying, you know, particularly it was quite interesting when I first um, started setting up Women in Thailand, you know, and speaking to my um, Thai colleagues actually in international uh, schools, I think the first thing for them was like, what is it about, you know, sort of uh, almost like, you know, there was an initial hesitance, actually, there was like a concern, or, you know, is this a political thing? Um, you know, we don't really uh, want to be involved in it. So I had to take that time really to explain, you know, what what women ed is about. And I think the beauty of going international and teaching is that opportunity, isn't it, to learn about um, other cultures, you know, meet so many different people. Um, and I think that that's the beauty about having sort of local um, educators and, you know, network leaders, then they really do, um, uh, you have that, that, that connection, you know, it's not just about um, your international community, but learning and, you know, uh, tailoring it then, isn't it, to, to all people within the community, which is really, really positive. Um, Absolutely. And I, I think these are some great ideas. I know it is hard when people move on, but then they also go to a new place, like KT is going to start the Philippines chapter. So that's something great that comes out of it. And then uh, you look for other people wherever you are, so then you involve more people. Um, I know in Taiwan we're going to uh, we're going to be finding uh, we, we are looking for more people to join us as well over here. And the other thing is collaboration between you know we are in the same similar time zones, um, so it's great if we can collaborate and build up that momentum together, support each other's events, and um, you know um, discuss uh, what are points are like come together these are some really really great things and i am so glad we got together and had this amazing chat um so thank you so much for coming all right uh for everybody who who uh tuned in today thank you for uh, being here and um uh, do get in touch with us if you are an international educator and you are interested in starting um, your own chapter or joining a chapter of a women at chapter wherever you are. Uh, do connect with us on Twitter. Um, you can find lots of women at group. Just search women ed or hashtag women ed uh, or uh, uh, go on womened.org. Uh, you can find me um, as Miss Hiranandani on Twitter if you would like to get in touch with me. Um, and with that, I say goodbye. Have a lovely Sunday wherever you are. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.